Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. With that in it, like we're getting in the simplicity today, like some of the simple and vital truths of our faith will be talked about today. So how fitting we're talking about simplicity. Um, But just another good morning from me. You know, I'm feeling a little under the weather today, so no hugs from me after the service. Um, And hopefully, like in, in Galatians 4, we'll be looking at today, later in the chapter, Paul says, I'm glad you received me in my condition Um, Hopefully you receive me in my condition today, a a little stuffy, a little lower energy, um, but I still am excited for what God has to speak this morning. And it's cold this morning. Juan texted texted us this morning, he said, oh my God, I'm freezing, basically is what he said. Um, In a way of like, it's so cold outside, but he was freezing. Um, But I'm, I'm here for it. It's fall, and I'm here for fall it is my favorite weather in Montreal. It's the season of layers. And um, as a big guy, layers are a blessing. Um, and if you're a fellow big person, bigger person like me in the room, you love layers because like no one really knows what's going on under this big jacket. Um, and I'm warm and can just be like, it's fall, so I've got, I've got a jacket on. That's why I'm wearing it. I didn't buy 2X on purpose. Um, but I love the weather. It's beautiful. The leaves are changing, and it's by far my favorite time here. Um, so with that, warm up. If you're cold, grab a coffee or a tea, or as I said before, you can just hold a cup of hot water. I had a friend who used to do that. Um, let's get ready to hear from God today. Um, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we're continuing in our series in Galatians until we reach the end of Galatians. So if you are here last week, you know we didn't get to the end. Um, So we're in chapter 4 today, specifically verses 1 through 7. So you can go ahead and turn there if you have a copy of God's Word. If you don't and would like one, there's some on the back table for you. It's yours. If you want to look on the screen, that's cool too. Um, And if you want to look on your phone, it's the New Living Translation is what I'll be reading from today if you want to like have word for word. Um, Like I said, if you've been with us, you know and you've recognized a reoccurring theme as we've been preaching through the book of Galatians, you might be able to guess it. It's saved by grace through faith. Um, you cannot earn it. And we're going to keep speaking that over the church and over ourselves because I need that reminder every day. I need that beat over my head every second of every day that I cannot earn this salvation, that it is a gift. Um, and the moment you come into this place and think, oh, I don't need to hear that again, that's probably the moment you need to hear it the most. So if you're thinking that this morning, smack yourself around and say, no, I need to hear it this morning. But I read this week about us trying to earn things in life. This quote, I'll read it for you, it was really cool. We've been conditioned to earn for as long as we can remember. Earning praise and affirmation from parents, earning grades from teachers, earning playing time from coaches, earning attention from boys or from girls, and eventually earning paychecks from employers. But our desire and tendency for earning paralyzes us before God's offer of true grace. 
We don't know how to receive favor without working for it. And so we subtly, or not so subtly, trade away the one true gospel because we prefer to work for and serve God as slaves, or maybe as we say, as employers, or as employees, and not simply as his children. We don't feel safe letting him do all the work. I'm like super echoey. Am I like, do I have effects on my voice right now? Is the FX channel muted? Dang, I feel, I can hear everything. Oh, I feel like, you know when you hear your voice and you hate your voice the most? Dang, I'm like distracted. Um, But I want us to focus on today feeling safe letting him do all the work and giving him the the opportunity to be God in our lives. I want us to unpack and work through and work out of that thought of earning this morning, and I want us to be reminded of the truth of the gospel and what God has done for us. Our main idea today, what I want you to walk away understanding and knowing is this very simple truth. Be a child. Remember that. We're going to revisit it and unpack it, but this morning, I want you to walk away remembering, be a child. So let's read in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Paul says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had, they had to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age the father set. And that's the way it is with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Let's pray over that. God, we pray over the scripture, these seven verses of crucial foundational faith for us and our understanding of who you are and what you've done for us. God, would you work this out? Would you teach it? Would you equip it to us? And would we rest and just be your children this morning? God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first three verses might be a little confusing for you. It's in some kind of older terminology of familiar things that would be happening then. But guess what? I'm going to unpack it for us because I did a little research in it. So you don't have to do the research today. Um, So what it's talking about here, a child not differing from a slave. Think of like an ancient wealthy household um, with a young boy who's going to inherit all that the father has. When the boy's just a child, like small, small child, he actually has less day-to-day freedom and authority than a high-ranking slave in the household. He's t- the child is often told what to do, isn't given responsibility, doesn't really get things unless it's given to him. Um, but the child is still destined to inherit everything, and the slave is not. But before we continue, I want to add a side note. I want to emphasize and point out that the Bible is not approving slavery at all. Um, Paul is using an imagery that the people of the time would understand, and it would have a strong impact on them. 
Um, I want you to know God's word does not approve slavery in the slightest. In fact, it is very much against it and fights for justice and freedom. And it is why the image of God purchasing our freedom from slavery is used so often and is so powerful this morning. So just be clear of that. Not condoning slavery, using an image that people would understand. So let's continue and unpack that. So this idea of age of inheritance, this coming of age used in the first couple verses here, in both Jewish and Greek cultures, there was a definitive coming of age ceremony where a boy stopped being a child and started being a man with legal rights as an heir in the family. In the Roman custom, there was no specific age that that happened at where the son became a man. It happened when the father thought that the boy was ready, when he thought the time was right. So when Paul uses the phrase here, until the time appointed by the Father, we can kind of assume and link that Paul is using the Roman terminology for coming of age here and that custom rather than the Jewish custom. So we look at a, a Roman child became an adult at a sacred family festival known as, bear with me on this word, the Liber, Liberalia. If that's wrong, tell me after. Um, it's held annually, or was held annually, maybe some parts of the world still do it, held annually on the 17th of March. And at this time, the child was formally adopted by the father as his acknowledged son and heir. He receives the special toga virilis, a symbol of manhood, in place of the toga worn by children. He now has gifted this special toga that is worn to prove that I have been adopted by my father and now am a man and now am an heir of his family. And I love how Paul teaches in an imagery and with metaphors that people of this time would 100% relate to and understand. This Roman custom would be very important in families and inheritance and people would clearly understand the point that Paul is making in verse 3 where he says, we were slaves like this. Like the child waiting to come of age and be adopted by his family and inherit that, waiting to officially legally be his child and inherit the promise of his father. But we were slaves to the world. And I read a pastor put it this way, it'll be on the screen, when it uses that terminology, um, the, yours might say basic principles of the world. He translated, I like this, it says, so too we, when we were young children, were kept in slavery to the ABC of the universe. The basic principles. And what gets more basic than like ABC, like the foundational first things. Um, and if there's any ABC of the universe, any elementary principles that we must break free from, and that's also stressed in pagan religion as much as in Jewish law is the principle of cause and effect. You might call it karma. You might call it you get what you deserve or call it what goes around comes around or whatever. It rules the nature and the minds of men. We live under the idea that we get what we deserve. When we are good, we deserve to get good. When we are bad, we deserve to receive bad. That is this basic ABC principle that holds us hostage. And we, are, we were slaves to this principle. And the law held us captive. 
Because the law set the standard for right and wrong and good and bad. And by that standard, I deserve bad. If I'm held captive to this good for good, bad for bad, and I commit bad, I deserve bad. And I'm held captive to it because I can never do enough good to receive good. And that's the beauty as we continue and unpack this in verse 4 when Paul says, but... At the right time, and pause there, pause at at the right time. There's a lot of theological things we're unpacking this morning. So we're going to pause and do this one. So at the right time. Most importantly, Paul is referring to that God's timing is absolutely perfect. We can't try to be better than his timing. We can't think or place his timing. He fulfilled the time. Another translation puts it that God fulfilled the time. He is the fulfiller. And it could also like, refer to the timeline of the prophecies that predicted Jesus to come. So that being at the right time as well. And it could also refer to that this is a time when the Roman Empire extended over most of the civilized earth. Travel and commerce were possible in a way that had been impossible. Great roads linked the empire and a language connected the empire. And it could all point to a perfect time for the coming of Christ and for the early and rapid expansion of the Christian gospel. With that being said, we understand. So at the right time, with all of those understanding, at the right time, he sent his son, and Paul writes, he sent his son, born of a woman. Pause again. We're going to unpack that because that is foundational for us. He sent his son, born of a woman, like you and I were. Um, I don't want to have that argument with you. Um, I was born from my mother. Um, there's, there's some young kids in the room. We can talk about it after if you're confused about that. Um, but born of a woman, not just for the practical sense of, of, of people being like, yeah, we're born of women, to highlight the fact that he was actually born fully God and fully man. And I want to pause and explain that more because it's so important in our understanding and belief of Jesus. I mean, I read this from Desiring God. Um, you can check that website out. It's really great. It helps you understand scripture. Um, What exactly do we mean when we say that God, the Son, became man? We certainly do not mean that he turned into a man in the sense that he stopped being God and started being man. Jesus did not give up any of his divinity in the incarnation. Rather, as one theologian put it, remaining what he was, he became what he was not. Christ was not now God minus some elements of his deity, but instead he was God plus all that, had made, all that he had made his own by taking manhood to himself. Thus, Jesus did not give up any of his divine attributes at the incarnation. He remained in full possession of all of them. For if he were to ever give up any of his divine attributes, he would cease being God. So Jesus is fully and perfectly man, and he has also experienced the full range of human emotion. And if you're like me, we've got a lot of emotions. We have a Savior who can truly identify with us because he is a man, and who can also truly help us in temptation because he has never sinned. That is the awesome truth to cherish, and it sets Christianity apart from other religions Because we have a savior who was born of a woman. He became man and he, Jesus, was subject to the law. 
but upheld the law. So he can understand what we go through, and he knows what it's like to be man, but he came to break us free from the things that hold us in captivity. So know this morning is foundational for us to understand that he, was, he is fully God and fully man, existing as both at the same, not one of less and more of the other, but both at the same. Our Savior was born of a woman, became man, and he, Jesus, was subject to the law. Just like you and me, it defined right and wrong. But instead of him breaking the law like you and I do and causing separation and stepping into the slavery of this world, the basic principles, he actually fulfilled the law, keeping all of its requirements, which he himself said in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or even the prophets. Or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. This is how he purchased our freedom. He kept the law and carried our sins to the cross, being fully God and fully man, and paid the record of debt that we owed, which we can understand from Colossians 2.14, the record of debt. He said he erased the certificate of debt, this list of things that we have done wrong and will do wrong. He said he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed us. And it says, Jesus, he has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Praise the Lord for that. This is the good news that I have a Savior who came, was born as a man, took my record of debt and hung it to a cross so that he could purchase my freedom. And that's why Paul continues in verse 5 here when he says, God sent him, meaning Jesus, to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law. God sent Jesus at the right time to purchase our freedom because we were slaves. He purchased us. And in the room, if you follow Jesus, you're no longer a slave. And instead of that, he has adopted us as his children. I love that because he didn't just buy us to be used as slaves somewhere else. He didn't just buy us as a slave to be used in another slave position. It says he purchased our freedom from the law, from sin, from the bondage of this world and trying to earn it, and he made us children. That word is not used on accident. Could have said he made us friends because other places in scriptures it says I'm a friend of God. It's on purpose he purchased us out of our slavery and made us children. And not just children that exist in the family, but he made us heirs. Because Jesus is God, because he is fully man and fully God, he has the power and the resources to redeem us. Because Jesus is man, he has the right and the ability to redeem us. He came to purchase us out of the slave market from our bondage to sin and the basic principles of this world, not to just be put into bondage elsewhere. He has freed us to make us his children and heirs. And that's why Paul, later in the chapter, is yelling at the Galatians because he's like, he purchased you from this and made you his child. Why are you then walking back into this slavery when he has made you his heir? That is not what you inherit Walk in freedom. 
So if Jesus was sent by God at the right time to purchase our freedom and make us his heirs, you might have the question, well, what then do we inherit? I'm glad you asked that, Stephen, because I have the answer for you this morning. Verse 6 is our answer. This is what we inherit. Because we are his children, God has sent his spirit of his son. Pause again. Important words being used here on purpose. The importance of the spirit of his son being used here. You might see elsewhere the spirit of the Lord, the helper, but there's an importance of him using the spirit of his son. So the Holy Spirit can be called the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, or linked to God the Father. This is because the nature of God is consistent among the persons of the Trinity. Here, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of His Son because the idea of our sonship, our adoption, is based on Jesus' sonship and His status. Because He has purchased our freedom and He has adopted us. And so He sent His Spirit of His Son. That's why the terminology is used here, Spirit of His Son, but as we understand that the Trinity, that God exists as perfectly all three and one together. So he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And I love the beauty as the scripture continues. It prompts us to call out to him. Abba. And maybe you've heard this before, but you're going to hear it again this morning. This term is an Aramaic affectionate term for father used in the intimacy of a family circle. Is typically said by a very young child to their father. So not only do we receive this spirit, this great gift, but actually this spirit calls out to the father in us, for us, enables us, and cries out like that of a little child saying, Dad, please, I need you. This is our inheritance that he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and it cries out, Dad! And gives us this intimate relationship with the Lord. We are his children. He is our father. And he gives us his spirit so we cry out to him, Dad, I need you. Like a little child cries out, And I'm so reminded of that. As many of you know, I have a three-month-old son. Every day I try to get him to say, Dad. I'm like, Dad, 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 Dad. Because, you know, you want to be first. Um, And so, like, I'm just waiting for that moment. But even before that, like, little children know how to cry out to their parents. Like, we're very fortunate that Judah pretty much only cries when he needs something. Um, So I'm thankful for that. And that's like his way of crying out to us is, I'm hungry. I need this. I need this, and you can provide it for me. And then as they get older, it's like crying out for some, maybe some other things that aren't as important, but still important in life. Like, I need another snack. Or as you get older, I need to go to the bathroom. Like, those kind of things that change as the relationship changes. But in the purest form for us, as we're reminded of that term, to be like the little child that cries out, I need you, and I can only receive from you, Dad, Father, I I need you. This is our inheritance, the spirit 
of the Lord. Salvation consists in its fullness of acts by God the Father and sending both God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father sent the Son in order that believers might have the position as sons so that we could be adopted and our freedom be purchased by his sacrifice. And God sent his Spirit so that we might have the experience of the same reality. The Spirit is the gift of God to every believer because he he is a son or daughter. Know that this morning. You are gifted the Spirit of God as a son or daughter. Not because you have done better this week or you have read your Bible more or any of these things you come to church set up, whatever it be, you are not gifted the Spirit because you do those things. You are gifted the Spirit because Jesus Christ gave his life and nailed your record or debt to the cross so that he could purchase your freedom and you could give your life to him. By that you have been given the Spirit that cries out to the Father for you. By that you are his heir, you are made his child. So be reminded as Paul's closing thoughts in verse 7, he always repeats what he's saying again. He's like, in case you misread, let me say it again. Now you are no longer a slave. You're no longer in bondage, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Church, be reminded, you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, you are his heir. I read these really interesting ancient Roman legal documents this week, and that's like a saying I never thought I would say in my life. And like it was actually really cool and really helped me understand this scripture. Um, And it helped me understand the imagery better. So I want to unpack some of that with you. So within Roman law, designated family heirs succeeded without a voluntary act of acceptance. It is due to the importance the Romans placed on family continuity so the heir could not refuse this inheritance. Also, a slave could could be appointed as an heir but they could only take possession of their inheritance if they were freed. If the slave belonged to the person giving the inheritance, the inheritance must have been coupled with a grant of freedom. Otherwise, the inheritance would be voided. If a slave belonged to someone else, the inheritance would go to the slave's master. This is why he purchased your freedom so that you could be adopted into his family, so you could be freed from the bondage of this world, and so that you could be made his child, and not just his child, you could be his heir and receive his spirit. Because if he didn't, we would still be in bondage to this world, and we couldn't receive the inheritance. And then also, on that same line of inheritance, you cannot refuse it. You must not walk back into bondage or slavery. You must not refuse the spirit. It is gifted to you. It is your inheritance. He has called you his. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Sons are never slaves, and slaves are never sons in their father's house. 
Jesus illustrated this perfectly in the parable of the prodigal son, where the son was determined to return to the father as a slave, but the father refused, and he would only receive him as a son. Church, ooh, the beauty in that parable and how Jesus knew it would just pierce our hearts when we get to that place. That you are his son and you've been given his inheritance. And maybe you're in this place right now, and this week you feel a lot like the prodigal son, that you took the inheritance and you feel like you trashed it and you were amongst the pigs and you were doing terrible things and you just weren't living as a son and you were just doing what you wanted. You come to this place and you're like, okay, maybe I can return to God, but if I do these things when I come to him, if, if I come back kind of as a servant and say, well, I'm just gonna come to set up this morning and then I'm gonna help more with the food bank next month, God. I'm gonna do better and I'm gonna read my Bible more so that I can come back and receive my inheritance from you. I'm going to be a slave in your house at first. And God looks at you and he says, you cannot stop being my son, my daughter, and you cannot lose the inheritance I have gifted you. That is for you this morning. You are always a son or daughter in God's house once you have given your life to him. You cannot lose it And you are gifted his inheritance. And no matter how hard we try to throw it away, how hard we try to walk back into bondage and slavery, when we come back and look at him, he says, you're still my son. And like the story of the prodigal son, the father running out to the son and greeting him and grasping him and holding him and saying, welcome back and throwing a feast. That is how God loves us. That is how he receives you this morning. Do not stay in a place of chosen bondage and slavery. You have been set free. Come to him. He is waiting to run to you and embrace you in his arms. Be a child. And like the smartest thing to be is like be a baby, like be the baby child, the one that doesn't know anything else besides the father gives the father and the mother and the circumstances give life. They provide for me. I can't do anything without them. My son Judah, he can't even move really. He can kind of flail about and he's starting to roll a little bit and he lifts himself up. But if he wants to leave his crib and go somewhere else, he needs me. He needs Autumn. If he wants to eat, he needs us. If he wants to survive, he comes to us. In the same way this morning in church, be a child. I cannot go about my day without the Father. I cannot take a step out the front door without walking next to the Father and saying, I need you. You are my life. You provide. You sustain. You make me your child. You give purpose, hope, peace, and rest. Church, be a child. He has adopted you. You have inherited his spirit. Cry out to him every day, every second, as a child cries out to their father. Be a child that desperately needs and seeks their father. Just be his this morning. Rest in him. Call out to him. Spend time with your father. Spend time in his word. Spend time talking with him, worshiping him. Be children who cry out to him.
Because by him we are saved, by him we are adopted into his family, and we are made heirs, receiving his spirit that empowers us to cry out and enables us to be his child. So church, be a child today. Just get that. Don't move on to any of the other things that's like complex or thinking this, that start there. I'm telling you, church, if we can start there and we get that, just being a child, all these other things start flowing naturally and we start walking in faith and it becomes a lot more clear. Be a child this morning, church. Let's pray. God, we thank you for that truth and we thank you that the beautiful truth and the simplicity in it is that I have been made a child not by my own efforts, simply to a newborn baby. It is all by what you have done for me. God, thank you for adopting me into your family. God, thank you for our inheritance being your spirit, the intimacy that that relationship creates where I can call out dearly to you, Dad, I need you. God, would we be a church who is simple like that, who says every day I cry out, Dad, I need you. I start my day. I've got to have you. You've got to get me up this morning. Would that be us? You've got to help me walk through the day. I need you. I need your word. I need to spend time speaking to you. God, would we be simple? We'd be children today. God, work this over us this week, this truth. God, would it encourage us and equip and enable us to go out and share this truth with others? God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.